CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for the sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is again Monday. This is two weeks in a row now where we've done a show on a Monday, which is such a weird thing. But one of us, not me and not Dave, uh, is taking some sort of vacation this week uh, and needed to, to record early. We're not going to name any names and hate him for going to Tahoe without us. Um, we are going to talk about Virginia's uh, NCAA tournament draw, the South Region, starting in Columbia. Man, what a what a weird day <laughs> on Sunday, trying to figure out where the heck I was going and what I was doing and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, we probably won't talk any about that because that's boring for anybody else. Uh, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Brad. This is a much better Monday than the last March 18th. I'll give you that much. Um, who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. I wasn't going to talk about it, but thanks. Uh, up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. It feels like I haven't seen you in a long, long time. Um, how are you, man? Doing well. I don't know what Dave's talking about, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I am kind of disappointed that you didn't introduce us using the. Uh, jpj voice that we've been working on the oh last no no um, maybe at the end of the episode you can make me you can you can toss out a name or two and i can yeah. do it and we can i can blow people's minds about how yeah, jack, jack salt wasn't the only one who had an unexpected good performance in charlotte <laughs> we, were, we were we were putting it out there and i'm still at justin underscore Ferber on twitter and Cavs corners also still on twitter Cavs underscore corner great place for the in-game updates content items and the occasional witty banter all right, so Virginia loses to Florida State in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. There's all this, like, you know, narratives, right? So there's, oh, you know, it's better off now. They can rest and blah, blah, blah. The tournament that matters is now upon us. Virginia opens uh, NCAA tournament play Friday afternoon, approximately three-ish. Uh, that's my technical term for it, three-ish. Um, they'll play Gardner-Webb. Um, we... As you listen to this, you there's a obviously a piece that Ferber wrote on the site talking about um, the dip, the region and some of the teams that kind of stand out. We specifically stayed away from talking about Gardner Webb because we'll have some stuff later in the week on them as we kind of get you ready for that game. But we are going to talk about them on the pod. Um, overall, let's start with a conversation just sort of about uh, the overall bracket um, in general and certainly the South region. I tend to think that. I don't have many quibbles with what the committee did this year. Uh, I like uh, I like the draw for UVA um, in terms of you know the past few years. Um, you know this the region itself seems very balanced, seems winnable from from Virginia's perspective. I, I think Tennessee was a uh, a solid pick to be the number two there. Dave, let's start with you. Uh, you are the hand ringer in chief. Um, how how impeccable was the conspiracy theory that you came up with the instant you saw all of this unfolding? Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was doing. Now, I mean, it's uh, like I think it was a pretty favorable break. Um, I, I was starting to, as we got closer to the selection show, Tom, started convincing myself more that maybe the number one overall seed was in play. Um, you know, being in the East with a chance to go to DC. Yeah, you know, and I think you know the reason that was so attractive. Obviously, the ease of getting up there, and, you know, for most fans. But my my big reservation with the, with the South going into the the bracket show was most of the mocks. If it were in the South, there was some team we were playing there that might have a geographical advantage with fan base. And for the most part, you know, Tennessee will have a little bit of an edge there, but not like say Louisville or Kentucky would have. Um, so 
I mean, I think overall, it, it's a pretty good bracket. You know, much like last year's look to me, it's very, very nice to, to start with. So um, I'm pretty happy with it. I was a little, honestly, you know, you, we were obviously texting all day leading up to it. I was a little more surprised that we didn't get like a Virginia story in there. It seems like there always is one. And you look at the list of teams that could have included um, from Liberty to ODU to um, who am I missing? Uh, Syracuse, Florida, Michigan State. Um, none of those guys are in the bracket. And that, you know, ODU ended up there. Sorry, they're 14. My bad. Um, so there weren't as many. Iowa State, that was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, none of those guys, the other than ODU, it was a pretty clean bracket um, without any interesting combos. So I like it. Um, it. It's like I like it so much, it's unsettling, if that makes sense. You're not used to to, to good things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you and you and being uh, unsettled is has, has this effervescence or quality to it. Um, yeah. Ferber, when when you when you hear Dave talk about he, that he likes the the bracket and he likes the region, um, you're typically if he's the hand ringer in chief here, you're the you're the uh, the real the the reality guy, right? You're the one who brings the the measuredness. There was this. There was this moment in the game. I got to tell people about this because they just cracked me up. There was a moment in the game Friday night where where Dave asked Ferber what he thought of Virginia's chances to to win the game, starting at ten and going down, and then progressively as the game wore on, Ferber would just randomly send numbers. And then I think you both were doing it, but it was it was actually quite humorous. What do you think of of Dave's sort of framing of this region and how how concerned let's be real how concerned should virginia fans be not just about gardner web but about this region in general yeah i mean obviously there's there's good teams in it there's good teams in every region um the ones that i think the uva should be most worried about are in the bottom half though so i mean those aren't the teams you would have to worry about until you got to you know the elite eight so uh, you know, Purdue is, is good. They have a good guard, Carson Edwards, Tennessee, obviously very good team, maybe one of the best five in the country. Um, you know, obviously they've played Wisconsin. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into depth about that. Um, and Kansas state, the four seed, you know, right now their best player, Dean Wade is dealing with an injury. So he didn't play in the big 12 tournament. We'll see if he plays against UC Irvine on Friday. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of to be determined. I could see one of the, you know, I could see them end up getting upset by UC Irvine, especially if he can't go. Um, Gardner-Webb, I've seen him play more than most people probably have because I'm an alum of a Big South school, so I saw him play in the Big South tournament a few times. They uh, they have some talent. They have more talent than probably the other 16 seeds have, um, not having seen North Dakota State or Fairleigh Dickinson or Prairie, or Prairie View. Um I think that, you know, they have a good guard, David. I don't want to butcher his name. I think it's Effiani. Um, and then DJ Laster, who's like a stretch four type guy, but a little undersized. That's the thing with leagues like the Big South. Um, there's not typically um, a lot of size. You know, the guys that are like 6'6 six, six can play like, you know, big men because there's not a lot of guys that protect the rim. Um but, you know, yeah, looking forward, I mean, Ole Miss and Oklahoma, Ole Miss, you know, they, I believe they were ranked at one point this year, then, and so was Oklahoma, but Ole Miss, you know, they had a pretty surprisingly good season, uh, first year under Kermit Davis, who was at Middle Tennessee State before, um, and, and they have some talent. Oklahoma, obviously not the same team without Trey Young, but, you know, they, they played a really tough schedule this year. I don't think they had a quad four game 
this whole season or something crazy like that. Uh, they beat Wofford, which is one of their better wins. So uh, Wisconsin and Oregon, I think, will be a good game in the top half of the bracket. And then obviously you have the defending national champs in the bracket in Villanova. I don't think you have any reason to be more worried about this bracket than if they had been put in the East or the, you know, the West or the Midwest. I think it sets up pretty good, especially at the top half. Um, but I mean, obviously every game should be taken seriously considering history and not just with UVA, but with every team that, you know, anybody's susceptible to an upset at any point. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. I kind of think that, look, there's a, there seems to be this sort of feeling out there. Right. Um, and I don't mean to put myself like on an Island when I say this, I mean, I think it's natural that everybody sort of looks at the bracket and, 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 you know, the joke is always that there's the conspiracy theory that every fan has that you look at the bracket and you think your region is the worst and everyone is the open dude. You're going to have to play good teams to get into the championship. Like you're not going to just, you might for a game or so, or you might get lucky because somebody upset somebody and blah, blah, blah. But like, realistically, you're going to have to beat good teams. Their good teams are going to be everywhere. And so you can try to look at each region and crunch some Ken Palm numbers and say, Oh, well, you know, this is the strongest, this, and this is the strongest that, but like, uh, that's that that minutia doesn't really matter. You're gonna have to beat good teams. Um, Virginia proved throughout the regular season that the Cavaliers were one of the best teams in the country because they did it against one of the best conferences. Now we can get into we don't. I mean, sorry, we're not gonna get into like, oh, why did NC State not get in? Blah blah. The NC State they know exactly why they didn't get in. Um, but when you finish one two three and you get three number one seeds out of the same conference, that says something. Now, granted, Virginia played those two teams three times, won one, lost two. Um, the Cavaliers go into this tournament having played some good teams, having played some crappy teams and some teams in the middle. That's the nature of the beast in the regular season. I think that you have to think that they're well-tested because I think, I think they've played the best team in the country twice. Uh, not many teams can say that. I feel like you're going to have to beat teams as good or better than the ones you normally face, um, especially as you get further down the road. So it, it, it the, the parsing of like, oh, this bracket is this and oh, this bracket is that, it, it, it kind of doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like that, that Tennessee is the strongest too. Uh, I don't think that that's a indictment by the committee. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, you know, I think a lot of fans take these things sort of personally. I, I do think that, in the big scheme of things, uh, there have been years where Virginia has kind of gotten shafted. Um, but by and large, I think that this is a very reasonable uh, region. And, yeah, there's some teams in there that can beat you. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to you're going to have to beat good teams if you want to get anywhere of, of substance. And for Virginia, this is obviously a very big tournament. This is a very big month. Um, Dave, I want to go back to you. What team concerns you the most and and if you want to start and just say Gardner Webb because of last year I'm totally okay with that but what yeah, team I mean, concerns you the most uh, yeah I think that <laughs> it's got to be Gardner Webb right I mean it's funny because you know I, I saw some people complaining that Gardner Webb was the high you know probably the best 16 seed and from from Ken Palm they are but we probably have the weakest eight nine so if you're going to have one of those two I, I think I'd rather play the best 16 and the worst eight or yeah. nine um, and for the conspiracy theories out there, a lot of this has to do with geographic considerations. So Gardner-Webb goes to Columbia because it's two hours away. So in theory, they go play that game, they drive two hours home. Like, 
Yeah. The NCAA doesn't have to pay for transportation. I believe if it's under 500 miles, like they'll pay for flights, but otherwise the team has to pay for it or something like that, or they pay by they send them by bus, which is a lot cheaper. Um, Although there's no conspiracy to send UVA the best. Yeah. Oh, they did send the 16 play-in winner across the country, though, which was a little odd. They're going out to play Gonzaga. Well, the reason that they did that is because all of the other one seeds play on Friday. Yeah. So somebody had to play Gonzaga. They just had to do that. And that's why Prairie View is in that game, because they are in Texas. So it's basically like just get, you know, split those teams up a little bit. Um, Yeah, I mean, people get caught up in that. I thought it was weird that UVA played UMBC last year and not a play-in team, but I believe that was because of the choices that UVA made as far as where they wanted to play and then the logistics with that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, like the Gardner Web Gardner Web concerns me for a couple reasons. First of all, we're all going to be on pins and needles, and God forbid that game be super close at any point in the second half. Um, but you know, looking at the region as a whole, I mean, Virginia should beat them. They're, they're they're Ken Palm equivalent. They're behind Wake Forest, even though they beat them. Um, so you know, that should be a game Virginia wins. Um, you know, Ole Miss and Oklahoma, they're thirty-eight and forty-four in Ken Palm, so that's a few spots behind Syracuse. So basically Virginia's got to beat Wake Forest and Syracuse to make it to the Sweet 16. It, they, they should be able to do that, right? Um, the t- team that concerns me the most, like Tennessee's concerning. Obviously you wouldn't see them until the Elite Eight, but Tennessee's kind of like Florida State, you know, big athletic, the, the team that's given Virginia trouble in the past. Um, they don't have the depth of Florida State, but they definitely have the, they have the experience. They have a little more experience in Florida State in their starting five, and they definitely have the size in that starting group. Um, so Tennessee, from a talent perspective, and probably Villanova from a having been there, done that perspective. Uh, everyone else, like there's some good teams in there. I don't want to say like Purdue's not good. Cincinnati plays ridiculously good defense. Um, Wisconsin would, but I don't think they're going to get by Oregon. Uh, Oregon could be a you know Oregon's interesting. They they're kind of hot at the right time. So. There are some good teams, but like Brad said, you're going to have to be good teams to get there. Um, that, and there's only really one here that I feel like has an advantage in the matchup, and that's because of the physicality Tennessee brings. I, I think they probably have a little bit of advantage over Virginia, but I don't think it's anything too great to overcome. Like I'd, I'd rather play Tennessee than Kentucky, I think. Um, I'd definitely rather play them than Michigan State. So overall, it's, it's a pretty good bracket. The thing I have, a, if it was Kentucky, the concern I would have from UVA's point of view would be I think Virginia does sort of struggle with uber-athletic teams, right? Um, I wouldn't say Kentucky's super long, but they're definitely not, like, unathletic. They're not slow. Um, I think Keldon Johnson would be a problem for them. Um, and that might be because I've watched the kid grow up. And, I mean, between he and, and, and Harrow, I mean, they're just kind of walking buckets. Um Tennessee's an interesting a matchup. Um, physical, yes, but kind of in the physical way that Virginia typically likes to be physical. But we've seen a couple times this year where the Cavaliers have been faced with you know being guarded hard and that that has been uh, somewhat difficult, right? I mean, you think about that NC State game at Raleigh, um, Florida State to some extent on Friday night. Um, Ferber, as you look at the bracket, what are the what are the – the 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 teams that if Virginia runs up against you're concerned. What are the what are the the question marks for you in terms of matchups for UVA? 
Yeah, I mean, like Dave said, you don't you take it one game at a time, but we don't have to do that as fans, despite what people think. <laughs> that's for the, that's for the players and the coaches. Like we don't have any impact on that. Um, so I will look ahead. I think Tennessee is by far the most like um, challenging team in this region to UVA. Just they're just the second. You know, if they're not the second best team, they're the best team in this region. Like. Um, you know, they took a couple of losses in SEC play when their schedule really got tough. But, I mean, if you look at the teams they lost to, they lost to an LSU team on the road that's a three seed by one or whatever it was in overtime. They lost to Kentucky. Uh, um, they lost to Auburn, who's a five seed, twice. So, I mean, I, I don't think that that's a weak team by any stretch. And they have, like, a lot of people, UVA fans complain about they need some, you know, UVA needs more guys that are, dogs or whatever they have like a team full of those guys um and they can score like grant williams he's back-to-back sec player of the year um you know he can score inside outside he's a player that can give uva a lot of trouble because you know the stretch kind of players that can play physically in the post and then go outside and shoot i mean you saw that florida state with a guard david nichols coming off the bench and doing that um so yeah i mean i think that that's a terrific team purdue um they you know they had a really good regular season but they're not really going in hot they lost to minnesota twice in the last three games i believe so that might be something to kind of watch villanova i think could end up making it to like the elite eight i wouldn't be that surprised um i I don't think they'll beat tennessee but if they if they played but um they are the type of team that could you know make noise just based on having the guys that have been there before and a really good coach and you maybe you get some good matchups here and there I agree with Dave on Oregon. I think Oregon could win two games and get to the Sweet 16. Wouldn't be that surprised at all. Um, I think UVA got a pretty good group of teams in terms of like the style. Um, we can talk a little bit more about the pace of the teams if you want, but uh, I don't think any of these teams really jump out to me as like, oh man, that's a bad matchup for UVA until later on. Um, and Tennessee, I don't think that's necessarily a matchup that UVA wouldn't be able to stomach. It's just going to be a tough one. Yeah, you mentioned pace, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about that right now. So this is completely all Ferber's fine. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but you said that of the 10 slowest teams in the tournament, seven of them are in this region. Am I wrong on that number? It was eight out of the slowest 11, I think, are in the south. And then it was like 10 of the 16 or 300 slower in terms of tempo in the country out of 353. And I believe Dave was the one who gave us that one. Wait, I thought you were the one who gave us the tempo thing. I gave you the first one, but I stole it from somebody else. Um, And I stole the 10 out of 16. Well, y'all are just just a bunch of thieves. All right. Let me, all right. Let me, I want to come back to that, but I want to retweeted that. <laughs> Something that caught my attention on Friday, and I want to combine that conversation with this one about pace because I think they're sort of related. So, one of the things that I've, I've found interesting about Florida State is that I had an expectation as to who, what Florida State was, having watched them against other teams. And then they came into that actual game and they were completely different. Not necessarily because that's something they're comfortable in. And it made me wonder if sometimes Virginia plays these teams that aren't actually teams that want to be slow, right? So that teams that don't want that, that basically they don't want to play half court offense. They're not necessarily um, accustomed to it. They don't, they, it wouldn't be their choice, but that when they are asked to do it, when they are tasked with it, because they know they have to do it in order to, to, to beat Virginia, they're not bad at it. And it actually, by playing slower, takes some of their issues off the table, right? So they don't jack up bad shots because they're looking for good shots. 
they're physical, right? So they're able to, they're, and they have a lot of links. So they're, they do have some positives and those positives end up working with a system that, or excuse me, a style that maybe they don't necessarily play often. That instead of getting into a rhythm of taking bad shots, they get into a rhythm of looking for better shots. Now you still have to go out and execute it. I'm not trying to say there's like some magic to it. I just thought it. I just thought it was interesting that when Florida State was taken out of the comfort zone, I had seen that team in, and got away from what the, what I normally saw from them. And when they weren't taking dumb shots, when they were taking, you know, when they were working the ball around and, you know, running their stuff. They're actually not bad, and I wonder how often that happens, and then to the idea of pace. So typically Virginia has made hay out of being a team that makes the other team get away from its comfort zone, makes them, hey, can you, can you be efficient? Can you get in the, in the half court and, and really execute? Can you defend? But then there's the question of when they run up against teams that already are used to that, what does that mean? Now, in the Wisconsin matchups that they've had, how would you sort of frame – the experiences that Virginia has had against Wisconsin. I mean, obviously a lot of those games have been really rough on the eyes, but in general, Virginia has been pretty successful. Am I wrong about that? Like it just feels like typically when the other team wants to play the style that Virginia is okay with Virginia typically wins, but is that a function of just Virginia typically winning or is this pace thing a problem? What do you think Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the pace that they play is necessarily a problem. I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head that Florida State was very comfortable playing at that pace. And I honestly thought, and maybe it was because I watched the Tech game the day before, I honestly thought that Florida State was more comfortable playing at the pace the game was being played at than UVA was. Um, just because, I mean, the day before they played a 68 possession game against Virginia Tech, and that was an overtime game. So regular, what was regulation, like 60 possessions? And the game against UVA was 59. So... I mean, it was pretty much the same. Like, and they were, that game got ugly against the Tech. It just was kind of like the first 30 minutes of the game were really ugly. They got a lead, they lost it, then they got it back, and then it went to overtime. And it was just an ugly game. And, and then it got fun at the end, but it was just, just like, there weren't a ton of turnovers, but it was just like kind of an uneven game. And I think teams like that, like, you know, Florida State has the link to make things hard on you in that half court. They, and, and, you mentioned like they don't necessarily want to do that, but they're not in North Carolina either. I mean, they're like in the 150 range in tempo, so they're not like running up and down the court. Um, and I think that that kind of I think that was probably part of their game plan. They were like, we're just going to have to beat them in the half court and they're going to have to beat us in the half court. And we saw which team was better at doing that. I think the length kind of bothered UVA's offense a little bit. And I don't necessarily think think that UVA needs to play at a different pace or that the teams that they're going to play in the South region, the fact that they play slow is going to like neutral. It, it kind of neutralizes like the shock factor that a team like North Carolina has when they have to slow down to that pace. But it doesn't necessarily mean, like you said, that you can't be efficient against those teams. I think tech was the second slowest team in the league and UVA beat them twice, including a 22 point win at home. So, I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't still win. I think that the problem isn't, and, and, you know, there were obviously a ton of tweets out there Friday night, some rational, some not. I think that the biggest thing that UVA, I wanted to see from UVA in that game that I did not see was like more of a sense of urgency earlier in the game. It felt like they waited around for too long. And, and there was just a lot of dribbling around, dribbling around without, it looked like the old UVA teams that people used to complain about where the ball would stick to people. And it just seemed like they were like intentionally trying to run the clock out. Um, and over the past few years, we've seen they make some changes, and it doesn't necessarily feel that way. 
Um, and I felt like they kind of got stuck in a rut in that way because they just didn't have like a second plan of action to kind of get going and initiate. Because I think Florida State was the team that kind of wanted, they were like very comfortable playing in the half court. And UVA was the team that needed to speed it up because they were behind. And I feel like they just kind of like, it, they were expecting the light to come on and it just didn't come on. Yeah, I thought Virginia stuck around with sides and 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 I mean because they were doing a lot of ball screen stuff and it just wasn't working. And so I think then they tried to get, you know, tried to get some screens off the edges and and you know, Florida State just did a really nice job of defending it. I I think you're right. I think the sense of urgency should have taken over, you know, the under twelve. Uh, even though Virginia at that point had kind of made it much more of a game, the writing was already on the wall a little bit in terms of sort of where where the shots were coming from, what Florida State was getting on the other end. Um, and I think as they move forward, I think Tony talked about this, right, the idea that that you have to sort of – when you get used to winning, you're used to always being able to pull it out. It's, it's Sometimes it's, it's hard to even fathom that you might not. And so, you know, maybe they get past Gardner-Webb on, on Friday uh, and then they play – you know, Oklahoma in that round of 32 game. And look, I'm not trying to tell you that Oklahoma is, is going to break down the doors and uh, light the world on fire, but you're going to have to be able to get through ruts. Um, you know, this is a team I've been saying this all year that it's, it gets its energy from its offense. And that's different for a lot of, than for a lot of Virginia teams. But like when the shots aren't falling, everything feels wrong for UVA, right? You watch them even on defense and they just don't seem right. And what we've seen throughout this season has been a plan B. They didn't have that against Florida state. Now, whether Florida state just took it away or whether Virginia just wasn't able to execute it. Um, I think it's a little bit of column A, low column B. They've got to be able to switch gears. If something's not working, they've got to be able to do that. And also the, the defense can't suffer because the offense isn't hitting. And I think that was a problem uh, against Florida State, you you just never really saw them sort of. There was that one sequence where they got a gap. Um, I think maybe was it somebody had a block. There was a block on one end, and then Virginia didn't hit a shot, and then Florida State did. Yeah, and then it just kind of there was like a big block, and I thought it was going to be like a momentum changing right. play. I forget who had. It. I think it was Jack, and it just never really turned into anything. Yeah, it just like, kind of fizzled. You know, they've got to be able to they've got to be able to manufacture those changes of momentum and they can't just rely on shots falling to do that we've seen them go inside more but obviously Florida State's a different animal they're just so long um maybe the pick and roll just wasn't going to be there either because of that um I, I just thought Florida State did a really good job of taking away the things UVA wanted to do and UVA didn't do nearly as good a job as the Cavaliers have done this season of sort of finding a groove I mean like think about that Duke game the one in Durham like they can't hit the broad side of a barn, but man, they hit. I mean, they were able to work everything inside. Man, there was nothing going um, uh, Friday night against the Knolls. And I feel like as you look at the rest of this, uh, you know, the way this thing shapes up. Now we know the teams, we know the the locations, we know the dates. We might not know the times, but we have a really good feel of like what it's what it looks like at least as of now. And as things start to sort of start to winnow, uh, winnow down or whatever, like you're gonna start to see places matchups that Virginia can can lose and exploit you know what I mean like they're going to be things about each game Virginia's got to be able to to be versatile they got to tap into that versatility and I didn't think they did it as good a job of that on Friday night uh Dave as you look at this sort of the matchups Virginia has going forward um assuming again that they're able to get past Gardner Webb you've got Oklahoma Ole Miss I don't necessarily think I want to go through the whole bracket and go pick by pick but mm -hmm. I am curious 
how you sort of see it shaking out. Um, who do you expect to be there in the matchups on on on, uh, on on Sunday? And what's your confidence level going into these games? <laughs> I mean, confidence level right now is pretty good. Ask me. The issue is I'm going to probably not be able to watch this game Friday just because the tip-off is right during the busiest hours at work for me um, in this money-making season in, in my business. So, uh, like, look, I'll be nervous come come tip-off time. But I can't think of how many other one-seeds can say once they beat the 16, they can breathe a sigh of relief. So Virginia does have that kind of edge over the other ones, you know, Um Literally winning the first game the year is better than it was last year. Like that that's a pretty low bar to jump over. So if they can do that, and I think they can. Gardner Webb is Gardner Webb's a little like UMBC in the way they play and their size. Um, but I think, you know, assuming no injuries and you know, you've got Dre and now you also add Braxton Key. Um you know, Virginia's got a little few more pieces to deal with the team going small. Um but regardless of before I start talking about the teams, I, I do think the one thing we really missed in the ACC tournament was, you know, Mamadi and Jay had a pretty bad couple games. And when those two aren't able to be on the court and be effective for long minutes, um, and I know there's a lot of complaints that Jay should have played longer. Jay got beat pretty bad when he was on the floor. Um, and, you know, for a lot of the game, it was tight, even though there ended up being a 10-point spread at the end. I can see why he didn't get more burn, um, especially with the physicality of Florida State. But I, th- I was a little disappointed in the way Mamadi played, especially. Um, obviously, Ty had a really, really struggle, you know, really struggled shooting the ball. Um, but w- some combination of, of Jay and Mamadi are going to have to be give us, you know, 10 to 12, 15 minutes of good play just to allow us to mix and match against different matchups. Um, Anyway, I do think Virginia gets by Gardner-Webb. Um, I hope they come out early and kind of bury them and we can all just kind of enjoy it. I think Ole Miss gets Oklahoma, and that's who we see in the next game. Um, Ole Miss has the better offense. Oklahoma has the better defense, but neither one of them are elite at either. I think Oklahoma actually finished the season. like Didn't they finish like 7-11 and 11 or something in the Big 12? Yeah, they have a lot of red on their Ken Palm page. Um, yeah, they, they lost their first Big 12 title or championship or Big 12 tournament game against to West Virginia, Virginia I believe. Oklahoma was, was 7-11 in the conference, 2-8 and eight against the top 50, giving up 71 points a game. Uh, excuse me, giving up 68 points a game and scoring 71. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the kind of team that's like they're in and, and safely in because of their schedule. And obviously they're not untalented. I mean, they won their fair share of games. I think they won like 19 games or whatever. Um, but you kind of wonder if like they're good enough to beat the really good teams or if they're just good enough to like, you know, meander their way through a tough schedule, like a, like a Clemson NC state toward sort of team, but on the right side of the bubble. Yeah. And you know, Mississippi is, you know, they, where are they? They're 33rd offense, 65th defense on, on Kim Palm. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to give the edge to Mississippi in that game. That's who I've got in my bracket. So I'm going to pick now. Um, and then I think Virginia handles that game just because it's kind of a load off and they get to to refocus. And, you know, I think that puts them in the Sweet 16. So, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma won because that game's a little iffy, but I'll, I'll go Ole Miss. So, looking at the rest of the South, I, I think the one team – all right, let, we, we all understand what Tennessee is. 
is there another team? Because here's the thing. You might think Cincinnati, if they get by Iowa, can beat Tennessee, right? Um, most people are going to go overwhelmingly with Tennessee in that game. Cincinnati, I, I think, is better maybe than, than its um, three and four record against the top 50 would imply. Um, but I, I just think that overall, this thing looks like it's trending toward a Virginia-Tennessee final Um you know, with a spot uh, for the final four on the line, is there another team in here that you are looking at and you're wor- and you're not necessarily worried about, but it just in terms of what would be a bad matchup for UVA, whether it's a top half or bottom, uh, Ferber, is there a team out out there in the region that you're that you're looking at going, yeah, this would not be good for UVA? No, <laughs> I mean, not really. Uh, Kansas State, maybe if they get fully healthy, but. I don't think that that's necessarily a game that UVA can't win. Wisconsin, I mean, they played UVA close in the first game, so that means that they could potentially play them close and win this time. Um, but I, I don't know if I'm too worried about that team. I honestly don't know if they're even going to make it out of the first weekend. Um, Cincinnati is a tough physical team that plays good defense, and I wouldn't – I'm not calling this by any stretch, but I wouldn't be stunned – if they beat Tennessee in the second round. Right. Yeah. I'm um, the same way. Because for one, another thing besides the fact, I mean, they just got hot and won their conference title game. I mean, they beat Houston, I think pretty convincingly in that game. They're well coached. They always have like an identity kind of like UVA does. They're going to want to play like, I don't want to say like a, a sloppy choppy game, but they're, they, I think they'd be very comfortable with a low possession, walk the ball off the court and grind out in the half court sort of style. And also that game, if they play it against Tennessee and Columbus, assuming they beat Iowa, I mean, that's a de facto home game. I mean, you're playing in Ohio, so right. you, you never know. I mean, I think Tennessee will travel fine. but um, And I think that people are underrating how much Tennessee would travel to Louisville. Um, but, I mean, they wouldn't maybe have the numbers Kentucky has, but it would be a Tennessee home game. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the big one. Uh, the thing is, like Dave always says, like you know, it's easy to look at this now on paper and say, like you know, these teams don't scare me, or I think they could get by these teams until you get to tip off, and then you're like, oh boy, here we go, <laughs> you know. Um, Villanova, I think, if they get hot and make a run, and they're in the elite eight, I mean, that's a scary team. Yeah, I considering think- how much you know they've been through. And then oh, if you're going like super sleeper down the line, Oregon, just because they've won eight games in a row. Um, they have talent. They have a five-star Lewis King, uh, who you're probably more familiar with than me from the recruiting days. Um, and they got Peyton and Pritchard, then, you know, obviously, a former UVA recruiting target as well. Right. And then they had Bull Bull, obviously, who isn't playing. Um, but he was, I didn't realize how good of a season he was having until he got hurt until I looked at their profile today. And I was like, wow. Um, good coach. They've been at the final four recently. So yeah, I mean, you never know. I think that, I think they could make a run. But I think UVA, I mean, they're a number one seed for a reason. I, I don't think that, you know, the teams that I, I really didn't want to see were like Michigan State and Kentucky um, and Tennessee, honestly. But, I mean, you got to play one of those teams. So, uh, you know, roll the dice and see what happens, right? Um, I don't want to necessarily go through everybody's bracket because I don't think that makes for good audio. But I am curious who everybody has in the Final Four. Um, because for a little while there today, I had St. Mary's in the Final Four. And that was an um, – um, yeah, very. I'm oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Murray State, not St. Mary's. Coming out know. of the South? No, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I like, sorry. Wow. I meant Murray State. I meant Murray you State. I meant St. Mary's. I meant Murray you, State. You meant Murray State. I meant Murray State. Okay, everybody, calm down. Put your torches. St. Murray's. 
<laughs> it was it was close. Okay, my brain is fried. All right, I had a I had a really weird couple of days. All right, so Final Four wise, I think we all agree Duke in in from the from the East. I have Michigan State. God, you're so weird. All right, uh, I don't I think, trust Duke. I think, Look, I don't I trust think Duke's Duke. going to cruise through that bracket. I, I don't think Duke shoots it well enough. Like you know, you're going to come up with some, Michigan State can shoot it, and they got the athletes. They can't stop Zion. No one can. But I think they can play R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish one-on-one. And I, I think Duke's got to make threes to beat them, and I just don't trust them to do it. Mm. Uh, they're banged up. On, no no, thank you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the West, I also, just – I mean, I think that Duke could get – and I know our you know people listening to this might groan, but I think Virginia Tech may be able to give them at least a, a game. Like, it's going to be an interesting crowd. Yeah. yeah if and a... that Tech team, they get up for the big games. I mean, I know they haven't played well against UVA, but – like they, they play get, hard. They got to get by um, Liberty first. The fighting Richie McKay's. Yeah, I don't know if Liberty's <laughs> gonna make it out of that first game, but <laughs> they're right. kind of a Liberty's a like they're they got a seed line that's a little high for them. I think like if you just look at where they are relative to other teams, um, I thought they'd be like a thirteen, but St. Louis winning the A ten, I think bumped them up a line and changed everything. In the West, I eventually I went back and uh, thought better of, of everything and, and and went with Michigan. Um, you guys got Michigan coming out of the West. What's your what's your what's your poison out there? Man, I I think Gonzaga's the best team. I think Texas Tech probably has the best player. And then and like normally, you know, it's this is why it's dumb to pick Final Four teams in the middle of the season because you don't have a bracket. And when the bracket comes out, you, you change your mind. You see Gonzaga potentially playing Syracuse in the second round, and you just look at that and say, oh, man, this is what Syracuse does every year. You know, you get a day to prepare for the 2-3 zone, and then teams look like they've never seen it before in their lives, and they have 40 points with five minutes to go in the game. Um, I would not be shocked if that happened, but I could also see Baylor beating Syracuse by 20 in the first round, so who knows. Um, I've gone back and forth on this. I actually have Texas Tech coming out of this. Um, It's just a complete shot in the dark. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if – this one, I mean, I think Gonzaga is the favorite, but I wouldn't be that surprised if they won it, if Marquette got through somehow. I don't think they're going to beat Murray State. Uh, Florida State could win it. Buffalo could win it. I mean, who knows? Wow. That was – who knows? What do you think, Dave? Yeah. I got Gonzaga just because because of just what Justin said. Like, there's so many other teams that can win it. I just took the chalk and figured everyone else is going to try to be cute. <laughs> So this is a points play for me, and I'm going Gonzaga. Right. I think that's a smart play. I mean, if I was betting money, like I would take Gonzaga. Right. Yeah, and plus Gonzaga lost the last game, and and they're yeah. a pretty good team. Midwest, yeah. and and then all those games are going to be like home games because they're out west. They play in Salt Lake City, and then they play in Anaheim, and there's like no other team from the west in that region except for Nevada. Uh, Midwest, I went chalk. I have Carolina, um, Carolina over Kentucky. Um, man, I really did go chalk in this uh, in this region. Um, do you think it's Carolina, Dave, or do you, are you? Yes. Yeah. All right. Do you think, what do you think for, you got Carolina in that one? Yeah, I think so. I think Carolina plays Iowa state in the suites in the elite eight, um, and not Kentucky. Same. I think, I think, I think Wofford or Iowa state get Kentucky. Yeah. I've got Iowa state getting upset in the first, first round. What? Okay. We're not going to do... state sucks. Yeah. I'm just, I'm saying, um, just one of those feelings. Just just calling it a feeling. All right, we're not going to do the rest of the brackets. We'll we'll get we'll get down the road on on all that fun stuff. Um, I do want to plug uh, before we wrap up tonight. I do want to plug the um, the pick'em. Um, 
it's linked on the board. It's on Twitter. Jump in. It's free. Um, prove prove that I'm an idiot. Um, jump into that if you haven't already. Um, anything else for the good of the order? We're, we won't catch back up until after the first uh, weekend of the tournament. Um, any thoughts before we wrap up? No, I mean, I texted you guys last night. I thought it was interesting. Like, it, maybe, maybe other things just thinks it's not. But, yeah, I kind of did a deep dive into of the active coaches who made a Final Four. What was the longest it took them to make it at the single school where they did make it? And only two took longer than 10 years. Jim Beheim took 11 and Mark Few took 13. Tony, as we know, is in year 10 here. So um, not easy to do if you don't do it early. So maybe it's this year. I like I like how yeah. Dave's always looking for empirical evidence to suggest that. Oh, wait, I didn't it. mention we didn't mention the whole Tennessee thing, right? So, so. Well, there are. Yeah, yeah, we'll get. We'll leave that for the Sweet 16 podcast. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the bracket, I believe there's a bunch of coaches that have been to Final Fours. Um, uh, Lon Kruger at Oklahoma has been to one. Dana Altman at Oregon. Bruce Weber, when he was at Illinois, I think they went to the national title game. Where was that, Bill Self? Yeah, like no, it was, it was Weber. Like, it was three. Weber, right? And then obviously Jay Wright's been to three or four now. And then you have a group of coaches that are trying to get there that have never been. And Rick Barnes has been once with Texas. Um, but then you have guys like Mick Cronin, Fran McCaffrey, Tony Bennett, um, Greg Gard. I mean, he hasn't been around as long. Uh, Matt Painter. I mean, those are guys that haven't been to one that are trying to get to one. So that'll be an interesting kind of wrinkle as the bracket plays out for sure. Um, glad Belmont got in. Um, that was the one team I really wanted to get in. So cool. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Um, look us up there. Give us a rating review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you are someone who found the pod but has not given us a look at the website, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now, you can check out video from the ACC tournament. I got some with Jack Salt talking about how UVA punked, excuse me, FSU punked him on the boards, um, was just, you know, basically out physicaled him. I also talked to Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome talking about, you know, that tournament and how they move forward um, this week. Uh, we've also got um, comments from Tony Bennett talking about the draw. Um, then we've also got our uh, breakdown um, of the South region that Ferber did. I thought he did a great job putting that together. So I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate that. Cause that's a tough thing to sort of frame. Um, <laughs> hey, there's also another sport that we cover. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall, um, had a teleconference, um, today that, um, or excuse me, as you listened to this yesterday, talking about the start of spring ball next week. So you can check out a breakdown, um, of the storylines there coming tomorrow. Um, then coming up next few days, I'll be down in Columbia, uh, covering the who's as, as always. So again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.